Welcome to the New North New South Wales Sabbath School Podcasts and today we're looking at Lesson 6. My name is Brendan Scale and I'm the Bible worker at Byron Bay Seventh-day Adventist Church. I also work at the Manorhaven Cafe there and it's my pleasure and my honour to be working for the Lord in that place. So this quarter we're looking at the lesson pamphlet that looks at Genesis, the story of the beginning. So we'll do a brief recap of where we're up to lesson one, two, three, four, and five before we get into lesson six. So we'll start with the first one. And as you may be aware, the word Genesis actually means the beginnings. And so the story of the pamphlet this week begins with the creation story. And one of the things that I see as we look around the world today is the need to uphold uh, the beginnings as taught by the Bible. We have a a seventh-day literal creation story in Genesis, and we need to be upholding those today. The next thing we look at is the sad story of humanity and our fall, and how sad it must make God to see the broken state our planet became so quickly. The good news is that God had a promise. God is a God of promises. He said, I will turn curses into blessings. And we saw in the fall God's provision and saying, he will bruise your hand, you will, he will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. Then we look at Cain and his legacy. And we saw from there that Jesus, when he said the wage of sin is death, it is indeed true. And we saw the very first human that was ever born on our planet, Cain, What happened when he chose to let sin master him rather than him master sin was a result of the death of his brother. And what a tragedy that is. And the legacy carries on today that the wages of sin is death. And we look around us today and we see that the wages of sin is death wherever we look. Whether it's death in the body or death in the soul or death emotionally, the wages of sin are indeed death. And as that carried on in lesson four, we see the story of the flood. And reminded of the verse that says, God looked at men and their hearts were only evil all the time, continually. The verse before that says, and God was in pain. We seem to forget that we we think we're the only ones who may be in pain when we look at the suffering in the world. But we forget that we have a creator, the ruler of the universe. And how much pain that must bring him to see this lonely, sin-sick planet that's fallen, that's corrupt, where people are hurting themselves and hurting each other. And... In his mercy, we understand the strange act of his mercy putting an end of suffering, and we had the flood. But again, in the flood, God always has a promise. It's almost the words of Joshua that says, Choose today who you will serve, your sinful, selfish self, or me, your promised Saviour. And I just praise the Lord that we had Noah and his family that said, I will take God at his promise, I will obey him and follow him wherever he leads. And then we came to the story of Babel in last week's lesson. And it reminds me of the words that Lucifer said early on, where he said, I will be like the Most High. We tend to be as humans thinking, I can solve my problems. I have the answers. I know what went wrong last time. I know what I'll do this time and I will fix the problem. And that's all I need. And that's the sad story of Babel, isn't it? That the people banded together and said, we will take action. This world happened to flood the entire planet last time. We'll take action so it won't happen again. Forgetting entirely that our world is governed by the Lord. I'm reminded of Psalms 24 that says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who dwell in it. 
So that's where we've come to so far in our first five weeks of the study of Genesis. And then this week we're looking at the number six. And we'll turn to that now. And the title of the lesson is actually The Roots of Abraham. I love the story of Abraham. It fills me with such hope, such promise, such fruitfulness. It causes such huge emotions when you see the roller coaster ride. I call it an adventure that God had him on. But one thing we'll do before we get into Abraham, we'll go back and look at when God last spoke. The lesson touches on that and says the last time God spoke to a human directly was with Noah. And that was post-flood and that was a covenant. And the lesson talks about that. And then from there, we look at it with Abraham and God gives him a covenant. This is the beginning of the covenant where Jesus will come from. And he starts off by saying, go. Now, before we go any further, let's look at the memory verse, Hebrews 11, 8. Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. And Abraham is one of the fathers of faith. The father Abraham had many sons. And the, the verse says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. That's a big call, isn't it? Have you ever been in a situation where God has called you to go, to leave something behind, to leave behind what's familiar, and to go forward to a place you did not know? It can be exciting. It can be scary, depending on how big it is and where you're at. But God called him to go. And as part of his covenant, he said, and I will bless all the world through you. So Abraham does go and he travels further. And then he comes to the lesson, talks about how the temptation comes to him in Egypt. And how often in our journey of faith, we walk with our God. And there are times where God's either too slow or things aren't going according to plan exactly as we see it. And we think, I think I might help God out a little. And how often it turns pear-shaped, doesn't it? I reminded the story there where the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, looks on Sarah and thinks she's a hot lady. And Abraham thinks, well, I can tell the truth to some degree and not lying and then I'll protect her and I'll protect me too. And how often it turns pear-shaped, doesn't it, when we try to do our best to protect ourselves rather than to hang back and let God have full rope and do his thing. The next day, Tuesday, looks at Abraham and Lot. And I remember listening to this story many years ago when I was a little kid. And I thought, what a gentleman Abraham was. What a gentleman, the one who had lots, who could do lots, who could give lots, who could go anywhere and choose anything, but his, he had learnt the ability to be a gentleman, to give God room, to let God have his way. And so when they were choosing the lands, Abraham took Lot up and said, okay, you can choose. And how often Lot is like us. We choose the best land, what looks the best, and we say, yes, I'll take that. Never give him room for God to have his way. And I remember that story with fondness and teaches me, put others first and let God have room. And I reminded in the last few years of my life, the more I give God space, the more I see him exhibit and demonstrate his power on my behalf. And then we go over to Wednesday's lesson. And Wednesday is the, the warrior, Abram the warrior. And it's quite a unique mix of skills that God has blessed him with. He has wealth. He has a beautiful wife. 
and he's a great worker. He has much riches. But also, this surprises us that he's also a, a fierce warrior. And when Lot is captured, he takes his men with him. Rather than sending them off, he goes ahead and leads the way and becomes the leader of these people and captures Lot and brings him back to safety. What an amazing gift and skill set God has given him. And then we move on to Thursday, where Abraham is shown as a man that's faithful in everything. How often when God blesses us with money and we're rich and increased with goods, we sing, okay, I've been holding on, I've been faithful with the little things, but now the strings are relaxed a little, I think I might splurge and get this or get that. And Abraham said, no, I'll always give a tenth of the first tenth of what I have, I'll give to my God. And so we read about him and Melchizedek there in Genesis 14 and Hebrews 7 about him and Melchizedek and says, I will give my all to the great God of the universe. The main point I want to touch on today in this podcast is not looking at those things, but they're great. But the main point I would like to touch on today, the words that come to us in Sabbath lesson in the second paragraph, it says, in his journeying, Abraham is suspended in the void without his past, which he has lost, and without his future, which he does not see. And I'd like to dwell on that for a while and draw out some conclusions and look at some illustrations about what does it mean to be suspended by God in the void. Have you ever been in a situation in your life where you've had to let go of your past, where the future is not yet in your grasp, and you feel like you're left hanging by seemingly nothing, and you feel, I could plummet from here? Abraham was in that situation. And that is the journey of faith for everyone, for every human. And that's why he's called the the father of faith, because he did exactly that. He was in a situation where God had spoken to him. God had given him a command to say, go, Abraham, choose me today that you will serve me. And he says to him, I will show you where you go, but you do not know it. He doesn't know his future, but this is where faith comes into being. Faith is holding on to the promises of the almighty ruler of the universe who does not fail. And that's what Hebrews 11, 8 says, By faith Abraham obeyed. And then Genesis says, And Abraham believed and was credited to him as righteousness. And that's all God asks of us, to believe what God says and hang on to his promises as he leads us step by step. I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians 5, 7 that says, We walk by faith and not by sight. Walking by faith says we grasp onto the invisible cords that God provides for us. We don't walk by what we see. We hold onto those cords of faith. And I love those picture images that they give us. I have a a thing on my computer, a document, and it's called an impressive dream, and you may have come across it before. If you haven't, I'd encourage you to look it up. It's a dream that God gave to Mrs. Ellen White, and it's recorded in Testimonies for the Church, Volume 2, in Chapter 73, and the original was page 594. And this gives a beautiful summary of what it must have been like for Abraham to walk on this journey of faith with his almighty God. This is a, a story that starts off this. While at Battle Creek in August 1868, 
I dreamed of being with a large body of people. A portion of this assembly started out prepared to journey, as was Abraham. We had heavily loaded wagons. As we journeyed, the Rome seemed to ascend. On one side of this road was a deep precipice. On the other was a high, smooth, white wall like the hard finish upon plastered rooms. As we journeyed on, the road grew narrower and steeper. In some places, it seemed so very narrow that we concluded we could no longer travel with the loaded wagons. We then loosed them from the horses, took a portion of the luggage from the wagons and placed it upon the horses and journeyed on horseback. As we progressed, the path still continued to grow narrow. We were obliged to press close to the wall to save ourselves from falling off the narrow road down the steep precipice. As we did this, the luggage on the horses pressed against the wall and caused us to sway toward the precipice. We feared that we should fall and would be dashed in pieces on the rocks. We then cut the luggage from the horses and it fell over the precipice. We continued on horseback, greatly fearing as we came to the narrower places on the road that we should lose our balance and fall. At such times, a hand seemed to take the bridle and guide us over the perilous way. As the path grew narrower, we decided that we could no longer go with safety on horseback, and we left the horses and went on foot, in single file, one following in the footsteps of another. At this point, small cords were let down from the top of the pure white wall. These we eagerly grasped to aid us in keeping our balance upon the path. As we travelled, the cord moved along with us. The path finally became so narrow that we concluded we could travel more safely without our shoes. So we slipped them from our feet and went on some distance without them. Soon it was decided that we could travel more safely without our stockings. Clearly it was the lady writing this. These were removed and we journeyed on with bare feet. We then thought of those who had not accustomed themselves to privations and hardships. Where were such now? They were not in the company. At every change, some were left behind. And those only remained who had accustomed themselves to endure hardships. The privations of the way only made these more eager to press on to the end. Our danger of falling from the pathway increased. We pressed close to the white wall, yet could not place our feet fully upon the path, for it was too narrow. We then suspended nearly our whole weight upon the cords, exclaiming, We have hold from above! We have hold from above! The same words were uttered by all the company in the narrow pathway. As we heard the sounds of mirth and reverie that seemed to come from the abyss below, we shuddered. We heard the profane oath, the vulgar jest and low, vile songs. We heard the war song and the dance song. We heard instrumental music and loud laughter mingled with cursing and cries of anguish and bitter wailing and were more anxious than ever to keep upon the narrow difficult pathway. Much of the time we were compelled to suspend our whole weight upon the cords, which increased in size as we progressed. I noticed that the beautiful white wall was stained with blood. It caused a feeling of regret to see the wall thus stained. This feeling, however, lasted but for a moment, as I soon thought that it was all as it should be. Those who were following after will know that others have passed the narrow, difficult way before them, and will conclude that if others were able to pursue their onward course, they can do the same. And as the blood should be pressed from their aching feet, 
they will not faint with discouragement. But seeing the blood upon the wall, they will know that others have endured the same pain. At length we came to a large chasm at which our path ended. There was nothing now to guide the feet, nothing upon which to rest them. Our whole reliance must be upon the cords, which had increased in size until they were as large as our bodies. Here we were for a time thrown into perplexity and distress. We inquired in fearful whispers, To what is the cord attached? My husband was just before me. Large drops of sweat were falling from his brow. The veins in his neck and temples were increased to double their usual size and suppressed agonizing groans came from his lips. The sweat was dropping from my face and I felt such anguish as I had never felt before. A fearful struggle was before us. Should we fail here, all the difficulties of our journey had been experienced for naught. Before us, on the other side of the chasm, was a beautiful field of green grass, about six inches high. I could not see the sun, but bright, soft beams of light, resembling fine gold and silver, were resting upon this field. Nothing I had seen upon earth could compare in beauty and glory with this field. But could we succeed in reaching it? was the anxious inquiry. Should the cord break, we must perish. Again, in whispered anguish, the words were breathed. What holds the cord? For a moment we hesitated to venture. Then we exclaimed, Our only hope is to trust wholly to the cord. It has been our dependence all the difficult way. It will not fail us now. Still we were hesitating and distressed. The words were then spoken, God holds the cord, we need not fear. These words were then repeated by those behind us, accompanied with, He will not fail us now. He has brought us thus far in safety. My husband then swung himself over the fearful abyss into the beautiful field beyond. I immediately followed, and oh, what a sense of relief and gratitude to God we felt. I heard voices raised in triumphant praise to God. I was happy, perfectly happy. I awoke and found that from the anxiety I had experienced in passing over the difficult route, every nerve in my body seemed to be in a tremor. This dream needs no comment. It made such an impression upon my mind that probably every item in it will be vivid before me while my memory shall continue. Isn't that a beautiful story? Isn't it a beautiful dream? And when I looked at the lesson for this week, I thought that summarized it for me, Lord. That summarized it for me. That's the story of Abraham. He was called to go, to leave the city, to go to a place he did not know. We do have a place that we do know, and it's heaven. But just as Abraham left something and wasn't yet where he was promised, same it is with us too. We walk by faith and not by sight. And we are suspended by God just as he was suspended. And the cords that came down in Mrs. White's dream are the same cords that we can hold on to. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. They are the cords that we can hold on to. God wanted to display his power and his love to Abraham. And God wanted to display his power and his love to you and me. I was reading Exodus 34 this morning and the words were spoken to Moses, but I would say they also are speaking to Abraham and speaking to you and me. Exodus 34 verses 10 and the start of 11 says, Then the Lord said, I am making a covenant with you. Before all your people I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. 
That's what God wanted to do with Abraham, and that's what God wanted to do with Moses, and that's what God wants to do with you and me. He wants us to be suspended by his cords of love, his cords of promise, his cords of hope, that people will look on at what God has done and will be in awe. And they will say how awesome is the work that the Lord has done for him or for her. And then he says in verse 11, Obey what I command you today. And that's exactly how it finished with Abraham, wasn't it? We go back to our memory verse, Hebrews 11, 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed. And that's all God calls for you and for me to by faith obey. I'd like to finish with the words of Jeremiah 29, 11. God is a God of beginnings and a God of promises. And we fell and then it led to death and it led to worldwide flood. And then humans said, I can do it my own in the Tower of Babel. And then... We went on to Abraham and God says, believe me, I have a salvation plan. You can hold on to my cords and I will help you. I want to make a covenant with you, Abraham. And not only want a covenant with you, I want to make a covenant with the whole planet to save you from turning the curse of the fall into a blessing of Christ offering salvation. So Jeremiah 20:11. let's turn to it. You may know it very, very well. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And these are the words that obviously God gave to Jeremiah and the nation of Israel a lot longer after. But they're also the words that he gives to Moses and he gives to us. And this is what the Lord says in verse 10, then verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And verse 14 says, And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. May the Lord be with you, and may we be an Abraham today in our generation. And says, By faith, Abraham obeyed. God's blessings to you. See you later.